am Lee Henson Hasty. I'm the Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development uh, with the Committee on Theological Education and at the Presbyterian Church USA Foundation. I'm sheltering and, and working from home remotely across the river here in Louisville from Jeffersonville, um, have been for some time now, um, but trying not to be so maybe I'm physically distant, but trying to be socially close. And it's so good today. We've been on the phone and, but we hadn't been together. I feel like I'm with you, yeah. um, Derek. And it's so good to see you. It really is so good to see you. See your smile. Um, I wrote in a post this morning, you know, the two words that come to mind for me are joy and wisdom when I think of you and you exude both. And I'm just Thank grateful you. for you to take the time today to be with me um, from your from your home in, in New York. It is so good to be here with you and to be, I say that we're, um, we may be physically distanced, but we're always spiritually close. So Thank you. Oh, I like that. That's the sign that I put on the door. We may have to be physically distanced, but we're spiritually close and all Amen. Open, so that's, Amen. And I feel Thank that heart to heart with you all the time. So. Yeah. Oh gosh, I feel it right now. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm 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 definitely going to remember that. Um, Derek, for folks who don't know him, um, is such a gift to the church and the world. Um, and I know the folks in New York City know he's been moderator of the Presbyterian, moderating uh, the the uh, general cabinet. I think you call it there. Um, now has I think maybe still uh, on the committee on ministry. Moderator, of the committee on ministry, <laughs> yes. All over the place. <laughs> I mean, I, the list goes on and on. We'll post his CV and his a link to his website and bio. Um, he's engaged with uh, as a board member, I think vice chair at Auburn uh, Seminary, a partner with us on the committee on theological education. Um, he is um, in a leadership role with the Poverty Initiative at Columbia. University. Um, he teaches um, at a variety of schools as a visiting professor like Lancaster and New York Theological and Union and um, the list goes on. Um, he is a preacher and also is a transitional pastor uh, formally now and has been serving with uh, the leaders at St. James um, Presbyterian in Harlem. The first uh, organized African-American Presbyterian Church in in the New York City area um, and has, has a historic role. I was reading about that this morning and just unbelievable connections with the Underground Railroad. Um, mm -hmm. I love that it's that, I didn't know this, 141st and St. Nicholas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that just makes, it makes me laugh too, it makes me happy. Um, and it's um, played a significant role in that, in that part of the world. Uh, I saw that Shelby Rooks had been a former pastor there. I mean, just unbelievable history. And his wife, Dorothy Maynard, um, retired there and she started the Harlem School of the Arts next door. Oh God, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, so friends, read about St. James, read about Derek, get to know him, wonderful preacher, singer, who knows, there may be some singing, I've been known to ask him to sing <laughs> on the drop of a hat, um, um, he's been involved with More Light, uh, with all that, may, that all may freely serve, uh, Presbyterian Welcome, now Parody, 
um, just just a real gift to the church. Um, we're we're grateful to have you here, and I got to know Derek um, through General Assembly of all places. Um, he was a theological student advisory delegate in San Jose, um, and then in 2008, and then um, actually a, a vice chair, vice moderator of the Theological Issues and Institutions Committee, and. 2014 in Detroit. Um, so glad to have you here and um, love to hear um, what is bringing you life these days? What is helping you come alive? What is the work your soul must have? Dr. Katie Cannon, and whom I think you know, mm -hmm. and, and Howard Thurman, whom I'm sure you've read, um, speak that we need people who are coming alive. So how are you coming alive, Derek? Well, you know, I think Lee, what's really fascinating about what's bringing me life right now is I am working as a ritual leader for a Jewish congregation. Wow. Um, a Jewish congregation that we've been in relationship with for the past five years. It's a very progressive, um, arts-filled arts um, Jewish congregation called Lab Shul. And during their high holy season, they hired me to be um, sort of their, one of their guest ritual leaders. Um, and one of the things that's bringing me life is this nine uh, session salon series that I'm doing with Rabbi Amakai. And we are going from, um, during the high holy season, we're going from um, separation to reparation and then to embrace. So we've been tackling different topics of, um, of racism, what's going on with the pandemic and our isolation, all of these things that we're putting together. It's sort of like a 90 day thing going before and past uh, the high holiday season to really sort of engage how we might be able to be community with one another, heal from our isolation. Um, we do a weekly soul spa for a half an hour. We just sort of come together, pray together, and then we say the mourner's prayer together, which is oh. enables everyone to bring their griefs and their hurts um, and just the recitation of this prayer, which brings my Hebrew in handy. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, so this series is not, it's not just because I'm the guest ritual leader, but it's also because it's having me understand for myself in my own way um, what it means to celebrate atonement. Mm. You know, something that we sort of talk about in our, in our belief system and we, we don't really take the time to, give it its sense of awe. Mm. And that's what this season is called, a season of awe. It's not just the new year, but it's also that sense of atonement and not just saying I'm sorry and asking for forgiveness, but in claiming that grace, which is what I bring to the Jewish community, is saying now how is God calling us to move forward and make a difference in the world? That's what's bringing me life. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, we can spend the rest of our time and longer talking about, I mean, I, I'm looking at our calendar. We have, there's a large Jewish community here in Louisville and lots of friends and with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur here mm -hmm. just in the coming weeks, right? The new year and, and uh, Yom Kippur, a day of reconciliation and atonement. I mean, you said, I want to make sure I had the, the theme right. Separation to reparation to reconciliation. And grace. And grace. grace. Oh, that's the grace. Yeah. So yeah, because it's the separation is where we where we find ourselves. So we're going through all these different topics each week. Tomorrow is um, apocalypse, and oh, last wow. week was prophetic and prophecy. And so then, by the time we get to reparation and repair, 
um, after we do that, then we figure out, as Unju Kim says in her book, um, Preaching in the Age of Globalization, um, how do we get to come to one another with embrace? Not the warm, open, huggy type embrace that we're thinking about, but the vulnerable opening up of our core. Because when literally when you open yourself up, you're expressing your heart and your physical core to one another. And we expose that invulnerability so that we can be stronger together. Mm. So that's the whole concept behind that. Um, that is beautiful. I, I understand there's 40 some folks watching with us. Glad to have you here. That include, includes a, um, a, a faithful follower, Rebecca Malozzi. I want to say hello to her. She says, hi, Jordan Moore. Uh, Erica Funk uh, out of Charlotte, uh, Kira Jones uh, Osmus. I hope I'm pronouncing mm. that correct. Um, also with us, glad to have you there. Asking about this liturgical arc of worship, which you're starting to hint at, I think. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, and that's, we were talking, and this is, I think, informs you. Um, I didn't mention that um, Derek, in, in the intro, has a PhD from Union Theological in New Testament and homiletics. Um, and uh, as well as an MDiv um, as well, where, gosh, that MDiv thesis, I, gotta, I, I have to read it now that I've seen the title. Um, once they came together, talk about reconciliation, once they came together, a comparative analysis of Esau, Jacob, um, Malcolm, and Martin. I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> but, um, I, dig I digress. Uh, the liturgical arc. So this connection that is happening, it sounds like you're doing some of that even in this ritual practice with this. Oh, yeah. It's really, it's um, when I first, I was teaching in a worship course at Union um, the year before last. And at the time when we were sort of going through what our paradigm was, because my, my master's is in worship in the arts. So I'm sort of like a one person department kind of thing. <laughs> So when I teach worship, I really do look at the liturgical elements, and I also look at them side by side along with Aristotle's, um, some of the classics of Aristotle about how we get through a tragedy. You know, mm. there's the introduction, and there are all those five steps, and then there's the climax and the denouement. But in every one of these parallels in terms of liturgy, um, we have prayers, we have music, we have hymns, we have um, our scriptures, and at every point in time, I think it's important in this literal arc of this arc of liturgical worship, where are the places where people can enter? Mm. Because we don't all just come to the space in church or come to the space of worship saying, okay, I put everything aside, now I'm ready to deal with this. Right. No, there are moments when um, I may be trying to figure out how did I get my kids here today, and, you know, maybe the call to worship doesn't bring me to worship, but... Maybe the call to confession does. Amen. Maybe the assurance of pardon is what I need to hear oh, on yes. this particular Sunday. And then I need to tie that with how the, how the scriptures are speaking to my heart and how they're in meditation. But to build a liturgical arc of a worship service so that there's an entry point for people right. to come into means that we have to understand what our liturgy really does or even if we're recreating the meanings of liturgy for our community, um, it's very important for us to be able to do that. At St. James, where I'm pastoring now, um, they have a very, very interesting liturgical arc that was, has really moved me in many ways and shapes and forms because after every single one of our prayers, liturgical prayers, 
there's a song. Yeah. Okay. So after the after the call to worship, and that's so the, it's contextual. I mean, for them, that's, yes. Oh, yes. Contextual. So, I mean, that may not be. This is not some magic kind of potion or that you do. No, protect. no. You've got to figure out sort of in your context for them. That's their that that gives an entry point. It gives, it's almost a reflection point, right? I mean, right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that, especially being on Zoom um, and being on Facebook Live, that it's very important to really think about those moments and think about how those moments are connected. And then to think about how do we get to the point where um, we celebrate as much as possible the idea that that's what we've been lifting up. And it comes from a church that I was involved in in Cape May, New Jersey, which actually the First Presbyterian Church of Cape May, they did a mission, vision, and values um, study over six months, and they studied lots of scriptures. But in their mission and vision, one of the things that they said was, we want to create a worship where everyone can have an authentic encounter with Christ. And as I was working with that congregation, they moved from one service to two services. So we had the quote unquote contemporary service and the quote unquote um, uh, classical service. But in each of those moments, I was watching the congregation to see how people actually found that encounter. And now in the circles that I move in is where can we find those encounters with the divine in the arc of worship? And fusing those together was very helpful to me in the beginning of my career before I was even um, thinking about going to seminary was because I worked with both of those services because what often tends to happen with contemporary and um, classical worship services is that there's a temptation to become two congregations. Mm -hmm. So we figured out like every fifth Sunday, instead of it being youth Sunday, it was a joint service. I see. So we came together at the off hour and we mixed and matched the liturgy so that people could see where people were entering in. Mm -hmm. and, and the most beautiful thing for me at one point is I remember, I call it the, the coffee hour magic, mm -hmm. where someone would be crying their eyes out because the song of communion meant something so much to them. And another person who never really shows that much emotion in worship service is sitting next to them. But that space for everyone to have that authentic encounter was respected and not judged. And then in coffee hour, they were just neighbors who were sitting next to one another in the church service, recognizing that each had had their own powerful moment in worship. Right. And extolling that power of that moment. So the liturgical arc of worship allows us to think very clearly about what are the steps that we're putting together. Um, I start out in, the, in, in our context and in many contexts of uh, what you saw in the liturgy that I wrote is by we are called to respond to the word. Right. And what better way to give obeisance to that than after the prelude to start with the song, start right. with scripture. So right. that we're automatically responding to that. Mm -hmm. And my Bible study on Monday evenings with the community, mm -hmm. um, it's a book that I'm working on after I'm doing many years of study. It's a Zoom Bible study where we are studying the lectionary text every Monday. Mm -hmm. So that the conversations that I'm in with the congregation, they very right. often write my sermons. <laughs> they very right. often write my titles. And I very often get to see how the service needs to be um, molded um, to address mm -hmm. the needs that are going on. Um, Beautiful. 
That's so that depends cool. on the, the the hymn choices get decided through that. Right. The alternative music, the anthems, what help and help whatever liturgical form is strong in any particular community. I can actually work with that arc still. Well, well, it sounds like too, Derek. You're, what you're doing is working through it through the week, which I think a lot of folks do. Is you're paying attention to those uh, parishioners, those people who are going to be worshiping with you. You're hearing the questions, the concerns, the places. You you, you have an idea probably where certain leaders in certain generations, um, et cetera. Um, the kind of places that they're going to enter. I mean, it may, it may need to be a heck of a call to worship. It may need to be a heck of a call to confession or prayer of confession. It may need to be a, a, ble a, a blessing that feels more like a sermon, you know, um, mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that is, is, that has that sort of, you know, it, it intentional open door for somebody to enter in and make sure that they, they've arrived. Um, so um, I think that's that's beautiful. I'm you know, Lee, and you know, Lee, the, the confessional, the con prayer of confession is really that opportunity for not just us as a localized community, but us as a world community to address many of those secret things that are in our hearts. Like I don't, I do my best not to get political, but what I do is right. I think about the politics that are going on and I think about how we re react sometimes to our politics that diminish us and that gets poured into the prayer so that we're released of that by the assurance of pardon and that right. speaks volumes um to the hurt and the pain of some of the rhetoric that we're hearing um that's going on nationwide regardless of where it's coming from right you know right. you can insert name here insert name there and we all have our names that we want to put wherever right but it's that the the way that we react that diminish us from being in the will of God. And we can name those and claim those and release those. And I'm always surprised at how the exhale of the congregation and of many people is so, um, it echoes, literally echoes in the church building and online um, after that, as we move into our assurance of part. Yeah, there's, it's an aha. There's something that happens. You're right. And, um, I see, uh, speaking of names, um, I want to make sure to welcome Ann Apple from Memphis, Aisha Brooks Lytle from Greater Atlanta, Eric Letterman, uh, Amy, uh, Amy Kim Krems Park, Danita Nelson, mm. Jennifer Lewis Brooks, Ann Collins Watson. We want to call the names and welcome them. Yes. Uh, and others, we're glad you're here. And please post questions, comments you have. Um, I wanted to. Uh, you know, you're part of your context there um, at St. James. I know you have multiple contexts you're operating in, but with St. James is not too far away from Abyssinian Baptist and and other historic African-American churches. I know you worship together at Thanksgiving. I saw in your CV that you're that's part of something you do every year. I thought that it was just fascinating uh, to think. And to think about this year where I loved you said this arc of worship is you're taking a um, uh, from the kind of the Greek tragedy uh, mm -hmm. idea. Um, and I'm just wondering how all this comes together, you know, both in your church, ecumenically, in your community, um, as you look as you look forward um, into to um, October and November, <laughs> lots going on in October and November. Um, if you're 
what would you say to other pastors and worship leaders out there to be um, thinking about these days? Um, I would be thinking about um, the episodic nature of um, the classical arc um, as being episodes as we move throughout our episodes. Lives. Okay, all right. Yeah, because we don't just close the doors on. It's not Sunday just one story. It's not just one story. And it's done, and then we repeat the story. It's right, right. It, it continues on with different twists and different notions. Um, and we've, I think we've all been experiencing that as we've been learning throughout COVID, right? <laughs> we've been learning new ways to sort of make it each week, and we've been learning new, different, new and different tools, and we've had to respond to that episodically. And when I, when I say episodic and I say um, classic literature with Aristotle and then with even Shakespeare, um, the tragedy is not so much about a horrific ending. The tragedy mm. is about the tragic hero who knows better and knows that they should be listening to something but won't listen to it. Mm -hmm. And then hearing constantly the ways in which they need to turn around or that they need to face their fatal flaw. And mm -hmm. that is life. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, that is really how those classical, um, classical writers were mirroring art and mirroring life. Um, and, of course, theater derived from church pageants. So right. all of this sort of connects and we get back to it. But I think the episodic nature of it is that we can hold on to something very deeply and very dearly through one of our episodes of facing what our, our tragic flaws are and being released from that by hearing the good news in the gospel and having the assurance of pardon and then being able to take on what the next episode is that is shined up for us in our scripture um, that even meets with us historically. I'll give you an example about this worship okay. service in Harlem that we do. When I realized that we weren't just meeting in Harlem um, with these four churches just because it was a thing to do, it had turned into most likely um, a respectability thing between these four classic churches in Harlem. But when you do the history of it and you find out that in 1906, Teddy Roosevelt um, had dishonorably discharged a group of black soldiers, uh, Buffalo soldiers who had moved from um, their former base to Brownsville, Texas. And the white community was very upset that they were moved into this community, that they staged um, a riot. Even though wow. all the black soldiers were accounted for, everyone was taken care of. Um, they were still dishonorably discharged. They lost all their pension. They lost everything. These four churches came together in defiance of Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> and the minister, it's in the New York Times in 1906, the minister actually said, you know, anybody who votes for Teddy Roosevelt that lives in the North needs to go back down South because wow. you have no respect for your people. And the people took their offering to give it to the dishonorably discharged families. They made a commitment. Wow. And wow. they stormed down the aisle, these four churches, with their money to throw it in the offering in defiance of what had wow. happened. And that was well, that's a different kind of, of right. That's a different kind of Thanksgiving, right there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's then. Then how do we move into the episodes of what are we thankful for now that we have the ability to have the voice to fight for? Amen. What are the things that we have to fight for now as four churches? on Thanksgiving that we come together to lift up our voice, to cry out. 
either in joy or in, or in righteous indignation. But right. these episodes carry us through and help us to build the strength to make difference in our world um, mm -hmm. through our ecumenical and through our theological understandings. So, uh, Eric Lederman, as I think you're sort of pointing to and helping between partisan and political, is that was political, but that was not necessarily yes. partisan. They're saying right. we, this policy that you have t done in 1906, we do not believe is fair and just and what God calls us to do. And that that's the kind of thing. Um, and also, uh, Katie, uh, no, no, let's see, who was it? Uh, Amy Crimps Park uh, mm. talks about being in touch and in tune with. Um, your emotions and, and that of, of, of those around you. Um, she, she's also asking an additional question. How, how are you able to uh, take care of yourself, practice self-care and preach and teach and do these things uh, and be in tune um, and take care of yourself to have the kind of energy and courage? I know that's the... Uh, um... And Kim, one of the things that I think is really important um, for me in order to stay um, in touch with things is not to sit and watch CNN for 12 hours at a time. <laughs> I'll, I'll follow the, the items that I, that I find that are, that are pulling at my soul. But I, and, and that way I, I have a general context of things and I, and I try not to be I don't have to be opinionated in one way or another. I'm trying to decipher the facts, and that's really helpful for me um, in terms of what I do. Um, in other ways, however, the, the other ways that I take care of myself and do self-care is I literally just do things that make my spirit happy and make my soul happy. I don't order out as much as I used to. I cook <laughs> because... And that may sound as if it's sort of a silly way of thinking about how to take care of oneself. But the thing about cooking is that you have to take time to do it. So I find things in my life that I have to do that help me take time um, to take a moment to prep, what it, to take the few minutes it takes for me to slice and dice, you know, garlic, slice and dice an onion. Because by that time period and doing all of those actions and taking all of that unencumbered time thinking that I'm preparing something healthy for myself I've given myself 45 minutes of space in the day where I haven't really engaged in anything other than chopping up an onion <laughs> or or making a meal and I do things in my life like that I, I also um, am very fond of city hiking because that's one of the things that many people don't realize New York is so full of beautiful forests and, and flora and fauna Amen. and if you just take a little bit of a detour from any place that you're walking you could find yourself in the woods or in nature for like 10 minutes and that solitude is very incredibly self-caring and thank god that saint james um, is right across the street from saint nicholas park so i do those yes very simple things to extend the amount of time that I'm taking because I have a tendency to be guilty if I think that I'm doing nothing. <laughs> so I counter that with trying to do things that care for me, but that are going to take the time and being, non and being unapologetic for taking that time. 
Well, I'm uh, Derek. I can't believe our time is gone, and I'm I'm having some internet issues. I think I'm back now, which is good. Yeah, you're back. I'll look forward forward to the the. This will be this is recorded. We'll be on this page and on YouTube. Um, friends, we didn't mention earlier. Derek is also the author of our liturgical resources for theological education Sunday. You can find those uh, at the PresbyterianFoundation.org. Uh, go to that landing page, and and you will quickly find. PowerPoint slides, videos, and also his liturgy, which is which is great. Bulletin inserts, if you are doing those sorts of things now or want to share them uh, virtually. Um, I'm actually, um, by encouragement of friends, I actually uh, recorded a sermon for Theological Education Sunday, hoping not too much happens between now and then, um, yesterday. So based on uh, the gospel text of Matthew 20, that will be there. Um, I also can share, if you have get podcast, um, you know, through Apple podcast or switcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. We are now, this will be on audio and all the other shows we've done, um, uh, since March, um, just look up leadership, um, excuse me, leading theologically is what we're calling it. Leading theologically. Hope you'll, um, subscribe and review. As we close, um, I'd love if you'd be willing, Derek, just to share a blessing, a charge with those who've gathered. My brothers, my sisters, my family, my friends, however you identify in the spirit, I tell you now that you have been blessed by your engagement with caring for others' souls and spirits by engaging in liturgy in spaces in which they may encounter the divine and revel in the spirit. So I charge you now to go from this space and to take what you have been blessed with and to share it with an open heart and an open mind. And in doing so, know that the Spirit will find ways for you to take care of yourselves in isolation, because as you give unto God, such shall be given unto you. So I charge you with this, and I bless you with this. Let us go forth from one another, but never from one another's spiritual presence. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Derek. Thank you all who've joined us. Sorry about some of the hiccups and Derek, thanks for just picking up. I'll just, <laughs> maybe you should host this show next week, two weeks from now. Um, and, uh, you know, welcome to COVID-19, like technology. Yeah, thank we just you. Have thank to you roll for this. With I really appreciate this. <laughs> oh man. It's, I'm grateful. And, um, uh, Friends, please get to know him more on his website, DerekMcQueen.com, uh, right? Mm -hmm. DerekMcQueen.com, and we put some of those links out there, and um, look forward to seeing you soon. Peace, everyone. Be with you. Mm -hmm.